Hello, Driggies, and welcome to the podcast. A Megadeth reference? Yeah. Uh, I know I promised the next podcast would be a Rails cast, but I'm a damn dirty liar, and um, I haven't gotten to it. Basically, me and my friend haven't been able to sync up and hang out and just get that out. But I did find some interesting stuff to... Oof, I did that. I kicked my teeth again. God damn it. But um, I did get to thinking about um, the sound quality the last couple podcasts that I've been putting out and um, I'm making an investment in a proper audio setup and that should hopefully help um, make it make the audio quality better less echoey so on and so forth I'm also trying a different setup right now um, I'm in a different part of the the area there's like a rug and it's a lot more closed and hopefully this would lower the, the ceilings a little lower so hopefully this um, lowers the echo and it isn't as bad as it was before Alright, so this podcast I wanted to talk about music that developers listen to because I find myself listening to a lot of interesting, or what I find interesting music, and not the bilge water that you hear on the radio just choking the airwaves and choking your soul because it's so mundane and repetitive. It really sucks. I hate it. I can't can't listen to it. So I started asking around, you know, I was asking Greg and other Greg and Chris and Peepsa what what they listen to, and... um, Everybody seems to to listen to various things, and everybody seems to have an opinion about headphones, which is really weird. Because, so far as I I knew, software development uh, software developers weren't um, audio. Well, I mean, they can be audiophiles, but I know they were audio engineers, and a lot of these guys seem to be like, oh well, you know, this, this, and this. But one thing we can agree on is that Beats by Dre are a complete waste of money. Um, I, I mean, I had a pair, and uh, they were awful, so I gave them to my sister, and I got a pair of Klipsch headphones. I was going to get some Sennheisers, but they were too expensive, and uh, yeah. We know it's not a complete waste of money is Dr. Dre's new album, Compton. I gave that a listen. Oh, my God, it was so good. They should have called it the Kendrick Lamar, King Mez, and Justice album with, with Marja Ambrosia. But goddamn, that album was really, really good. Uh, if, you, if you haven't had a chance to listen to it, y'all need to listen to it. It's super good. Um, but that's not the kind of music I'm usually listening to. I'm more uh, into the experimental music, and I think my friends are too. Uh, I know I don't know that this band would fall in, into the category of experimental, but um, I, I was asking around one of my buddies listens to Die Antwood, and uh, another one was listening to Aphex Twin, so that's just sort of give you an idea. If you go and watch their videos right off the bat, it's like, almost a culture shock it is a culture shock i remember the first time i saw diane wood i was like what is this is so crazy but really really good at the same time some of the stuff that i listen to is uh more traditional experimental kind of stuff and it's kind of funny that there is a like off the wall experimental and then like traditional experimental like off the wall would be like whenever john cage plays with like dissonance and lack of harmony in his things it really just sounds like him dropping his fingers on a piano randomly drunkenly in a drunken stupor just be like blink, 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 blink. but no i listen to more things like um i was put on really early on to animal collective that's pretty good the guy from mars volta and at the drive-in i forget i forget what his name and he but he's pretty good and um i also listen to some of the older stuff uh from pink floyd with sit barrett uh astronomy was it astronomy dom astronomy demean uh, or i think that's what i think that's how you pronounce it um and the whole um, Adam Hart mother um, stuff is pretty good. So I listen to more of the psychedelic stuff, explosions in the sky, um, that kind of stuff, and some of like the more unorthodox gypsy punk style stuff. So Gogo Bordello and 
sorry, let me pronounce it. Gogol Bordello with Eugene, what's his face? Eugene Hutz and. Uh, which actually reminds me, they did a wonderful soundtrack for The Wrist Cutters. If you haven't seen The Wrist Cutters, you all need to check out The Wrist Cutters. Um, but what I'm trying to get at is that it seems to me that a lot of the techie um, engineering type people, for better or for worse, have an interesting taste in music and content. I guess that's the best way to put it. Uh, they tend to read odd things. They tend to listen to odd things. They they tend to really, at least the smart, uh, really smart um, individuals that I've met tend to really not fall anywhere near within the middle of the road spectrum. Like, don't get me wrong, I'm not trying to, like, put myself on a pedestal above those that listen to pop music. I mean, it's pop music for a reason. It's popular music that most people, like, uh, they pander to the lowest common denominator, so of course you're going to like it, um, or you're supposed to like it, but if you're not riding that train you know like i don't really watch tv i think when i do watch tv i'm like looking for the simpsons or archer um and i'm pretty sure that while they do have a and rick and morty and that kind of stuff and i'm sure that while they do have a good chunk of the demographic it's probably not the target demographic i'm pretty sure most people don't listen to uh, don't watch adult swim or get really high and then like get caught in a trance by uh xavier renegade angel some bullshit like that um which got canceled by the way uh I think that show you really actually needed to be on drugs to to get like hooked in and like caught in the mind loops of their basic abs- absurdism that it was. Um, but and if you weren't high, like I, I I think for the longest time I only saw that when I was just blasted out of my mind. And one day I went and saw it sober, and I was like, "What the fuck is this? Why was I so engaged?" But and you know, there's some of the, the more traditional stuff like Moondocks and stuff. But I got I, I got to thinking. I wonder why that is the case. Why is it the case that the content that these people, uh, the te- the you know the tech people, the engineering people, you know, it, it's not limited to just the computer scientists and the software engineers and that stuff, but like some of the aerospace people too. Although that that route of engineering, the, it, it seems to me that sometimes they're a bit more in line with. Um, popular culture, the computer scientists are really just off beat and like really, really just um, very, very different. They take a hard left turn. And for I was going down the route of saying that they were the same as other engineers, but then um, that's actually a lie. I think about it now and I, the com- com- computer techie people are really, really weird in their own right. And um, I'm trying to figure out why, uh, you know, why are we so different? Why, why? Are we inclined to do such things? Um, and I think it comes from the nature of even wanting to do software development. Um, the most kind of software development that people like are the straightforward uh, programming software developing, where you're basically using the language to tell the computer to do something. And that's sort of like an ego trip or maybe like a power or control trip kind of thing. You're basically explicitly telling the computer, I need you to do this in this order in this fashion. And um, provide, and you're hoping it'll provide a outcome, right? You have a goal. The execution piece is the code that you write. You tell it what to do, and then there's when you know the computer does it literally. There's some unexpected outcomes. Those are called bugs. You will patch them or you don't patch them. Maybe you can be like, oh well, you know, I didn't intend on that, but you know, that's kind of what I wanted. And um, you decide to go from there, right? The people that like that style of programming, I've noticed, tend not to like other methods of programming because there's 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 many there's many paradigms you know there's object oriented and uh, imperative and that kind of stuff and they all sort of 
go down that route of telling the computer what to do, but then there's logic programming. And logic programming is very, very different because you basically create a logic database, or not a database, but like a logic base or knowledge base. Um, so let's take Prolog, for example. I create a knowledge base and I tell it, aim, uh, I, I define functions and I say, you know, Joni loves Chachi, Cheech loves weed, um, Chong loves weed, uh, and then I can define things like uh, friendship is um, X loves Y and Z loves Y. And then it would be, oh, friendship, Cheech and Chong, friendship. Once I query it, like, okay, who, who who can Cheech be friends with? I'd go, friendship, Cheech, and then ask it, you know, fill in the blanks and resolve that. And uh, that style of programming I see is very popular in other countries, and particular, particularly in countries where their style of doing things, like, it's, it's very prominent I see a lot of literature for prologue come out of French, uh, French-speaking countries. So, so France, <laughs> out of France, and um, a lot some Germanic-speaking uh, sp uh, countries, um, and that's very vague and encompassing. That's vague, or maybe not vague, because maybe Germany is the only Germanic-speaking country. Like I'm very bad with geography. There's a reason I didn't go into history and a reason I didn't go into any of that stuff. I can I barely know where the fucking fifty states are. Uh and I sorta have a, I sorta know where the 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 thirty five states of Mexico are, but I have no idea how many provinces Canada has. And that's the hemisphere I live in, trying to figure out what the hell's going on in the other hemisphere is beyond me. And I feel a lot of people, a lot of Americans probably feel that way. So I have no idea why we're so, why as a nation we're so involved in foreign politics that we do not completely understand. But that's beside the point. Um, to get what I was, I guess what I was trying to get at is countries that, where the culture isn't so forceful and aggressive seem to sort of take a step back and be like, okay, these are the facts. Computer, tell me what I need to know. And it's actually a very interesting and powerful approach because every time I've seen some stuff be done with um, logic programming, it's always been really neat and really interesting stuff that s solves things in a very quick and in very interesting ways. And I feel like that paradigm could be powerful because you could define for you could define things that you don't know or you can define the things that you know and then search for the things that you don't know by defining relationships and expressions. Um, and it's just kind of weird that we don't leverage that thing. And actually I saw a video once that was explaining uh, programming programming in the 70s or something like that. And, and the video was a contemporary video of someone who had done had once either him or had had attended or had done it himself a talk on what programming could be or what, what they expected of programming in the 70s and they had anticipated that like markup language and nobody would actually manually write markup language and that this and that and that's because in the 70s we hadn't really defined what programming could be right and in not defining what programming was it could it was free to be whatever it was. It could manifest whichever way it was. So if you look at a lot of the technologies coming out of that era, um, programming was a very broad term and it, it could encompass many modes of thought. And that's why you see, if you stop and look at programming tools, you see a wide array of programming tools. You know, there's the classic editor, but then there was also things like the drag and drop, uh, like... Um, 
Dreamweaver was a very lofty goals was to you know sort of generate the the markup that would define your website and it would work across anywhere and then anybody that could drag and drop can would be able to code because it was generating code and all you had to do was really define a design and then you see tools where you can like in Photoshop where you can basically export your Photoshop stuff into a website but that that doesn't work either very well because it sort of falls apart and it it's lacking the communication to tell it how you expect it to behave and uh, they really assume that like uh, the design sort of implies the behavior, and it, and it really doesn't. And there's a lot of information lacking, right? Um, so programming could be it. It could have been, and I mean, it still could be if we can break down the barriers of thought of what it is right now. Anything. It it could be a design that gets exported from Photoshop, and then maybe uh, a NL, NLP style description of how you expect things to behave where you can be like, hey, you know, at all times I would like the text to be legible, so keep it big. And uh, when the screen uh, density is sort of this, you know, I want it to be, be this. And you do it very soft and very gently. And, um, uh, and by soft and gently, I mean like uh, ambiguous, basically. You just say it in plain English, and it would be able to sort of translate and extrapolate that. And, it, you know, that might not be far from us because people still are looking to that model. Um, the day that, that web development like making websites and stuff goes away even though I'm in that field right now I'm not going to be sad and I'm not going to miss it because it's a lot of the same thing and it's a lot of the ways the ways of the world that they are right now the 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 W3C and all these standards and all this shit that no one can get together is just so ridiculous and those that go into software development and stay away from web development are probably wiser than us all but at the same time, don't get exposed to this wonderful, beautiful thing that people interface with on, on a day-to-day on a -day basis. So they are in ignoring a massive faction of the technology that we interact with today, have made a really good decision for themselves, but perhaps not um, for the world at hand. So I got to thinking about this, you know, what could be web development, you know, what could be software development, and... Um, if we didn't have these preconceived notions of what it was right now. And some of the stuff that I go to is, you know, like typical stuff that doesn't really solve the core problem. I'm like, I would like it if instead of CSS, I could just write LaTeX um, to sort of describe how things should render on the page. I feel like it'd be more expressive and more powerful. But really, I'd like to give it a template and just have it auto-generate the the themes and have it look somewhat good so that someone can be like, oh, we sort of want this feel and this and that, and I could just feed it into an engine and spit out the theme and I wouldn't have to worry about it, right? And there are sites out there that are trying to do that right now. They're trying to solve that very problem. There's some key, uh, there's some sites like Squarespace doing drag and drop uh, web application development that's sort of covering a good chunk of the of the those websites where it's like, dude, I need a website for my shitty business idea where I'm going to sell organic, medium-sized furniture that will provide blah, 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 fucking, you know, Santa Monica bullshit. Uh, organic modernism or what the fuck have you, right? It gets rid of those obnoxious motherfuckers and motherfuckers that don't have any money, so I don't want to deal with them, but that also want a lot of work done. So they disappear, and that's great because for a while now, uh, once, I learned very, very quickly. I always fall into the pit traps that I've learned very quickly. I learned the first fucking time, 
And I learned very quickly and very painfully. Uh, a friend of mine came to me and he's like, hey, you know, it'd be really nice if we, if, uh, we can get a website for, for his band, right? You know, typical stuff. And if it, if it had been anybody else with any, any shitty band, um, I probably wouldn't have done it. But this, this guy was a really hard worker. He's been doing gigs for a while now. He is prominent in the Jewish culture. I actually like his music. Their band is most, it's called Mostly Kosher. And it kind of reminds me of a more Jewish-centric, like Yiddish-centric uh, Gogol Bordello. So I like it. So I was like, yeah, sure, man, I'll, I'll do the website. And they got me a, a junior resource to do the design, and it, that worked out well. And then at the time, I was like, okay, well, I'm still getting my, um, still mastering the rail stack. So I was like, ah, oh, that gives me a chance to exercise the rail stack outside of it. So I did it. And I quickly learned that Estimates are always off. Um, the scope creep is always rampant, and even when shit is done for free, people are, are being ridiculous and are just unhappy with the, with the shit that's coming out. And ever since then, whenever someone comes to me, it's like, "Hey, I have a, 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 a I need help building a website." I'm like, "Squarespace, WordPress, like, do that shit yourself. I'm not fucking doing that for you." And, and why should I? How dare you? I don't go to you and be like, "Hey, man, you know, it'd be really cool if you wrote me a song." that I could listen to. Just write me a song, man. Just for me, man, write me a song. I don't do that. I don't solicit your services as a musician. I don't tell you, hey, come. I would tell you something maybe like, come play at my party, right? Uh, and that, the software development equivalent of, hey, man, come play at my party is, hey, man, I need some advice, like consulting. I need you to consult me. Uh, or point me in a direction to where I can get a website done, not asking you to build the actual website. The same way I wouldn't ask a musician to write me a song for me that I can just listen to for me, you know, uh, that I can own. So so the same way I learned that very quickly, I, uh, I very quickly learned that software development is a very tricky business because it comes in all shapes and uh, sizes, but people are not, so, yeah, I guess sizes, whatever, man. But it's, it's very, very different. And we're only really seem to be focused, at least here in the United States, or what you see on Stack Overflow on one particular aspect of software development, which is uh, a declarative, that's the best way I can try it, a declarative software style development where you're telling the machine what to do instead of telling giving the machine some facts and asking it what you want um, and having it figure out. Because really, why should you... You spend so much time, or at least I do, spend so much time programming business logic. And business logic is often defined by constraints and regulations and what have you. Basically, like, facts. Facts and restrictions. Facts and rules. So why can't I create a knowledge base for these facts and rules and then run the human interactions through that system and have it produce an expected outcome. And then when the outcome isn't what they expect, I can go back to the business and be like, well, these are the facts that you provided. There is something clearly missing if that is the effect that is happening. You could toss it back to the business and then business has to figure out the rules for of engagement, basically. And then your job as a developer was to, to literally dump the dump the business logic and then maybe make the website pretty right or not even that maybe that whole sector if that whole sector could disappear i think we could move on to focusing on the on bigger things and the, the actual issues that that 
those that go into computer science and learn all the stuff about pumping lemmas and state machines and like uh, uh, Turing completeness and computability theory should actually be solving instead of wasting their time trying to figure out why that button isn't in the correct place or or not even that it isn't in the correct place putting the button where the where the where the comps showed it and having the client be like ah can we move it two pixels to the left two pixels to the right up down right around you know what i do in those situations when someone's pixel pushing i'm like yeah i did it what do you think now don't change a goddamn thing answer's always the same looks great unless it was actually off looks great it always looks great. People just always want to put in their two cents. You gotta, you gotta put a duck in the room. I always leave a blatant development error for the for the client to pick up on, and be like, "Hey, we'd like it if that wasn't terrible." And I'm like, "Yeah, of course. Let me fix that for you." So, what could software development be if it didn't have to be what it is right now? That is the million dollar question. That is the question that people in the '70s, when no one was telling them what programming was we're trying to figure out and trying to come up with all these interesting methodologies and ways of approaching the problem solving and goal oriented tasks that is absolutely fantastic that's great if if y'all haven't seen that video I'll I'll post it on my Twitter feed oh that reminds me the the we have a Twitter now it's a shoot, uh, twitter.com slash shoot the bit or at shoot the bit right that's how that's how people are doing the handles there seems to be some confusion about the feed. I've stated it before. That is our failure in design, uh, that we weren't able to communicate that clearly. Uh, so the latest latest episodes is a feed uh, that we have on the site that you can just go there. But if you actually want to subscribe, we have an iTunes feed that is the RSS subscribe button. You just drop that into your iTunes, and it'll pick up the feed, and you'll be able to listen to these. So wherever you are, um, hopefully you've already figured that out, and I didn't have to tell you that. But if you did, if you hadn't figured out that, so that's how you do it. You drop it in. There's some shit. You can just Google how to add an RSS feed to iTunes, and the rest will take care of itself. It seems to me that the further we go along, we seem to be acquiring this technical depth uh, where the further we go along, the more just like broken legacy shit that we have to carry on and sort of make up for and code around and deal with as we go along, as we try to develop like really intricate and nice stuff. So a lot of the new technology that's coming out, um, it's easier to do some crazy as like crazy canvas rendering, like OpenGL shit than it is to do vertical centering on the web. It's fucking bonkers it's so hard to get vertical centering done right and you know there'll be those guys that are like well you know flexbox or whatever the fuck that shit is it, it sort of takes care of that problem for you and it's even then flexbox's uh, uh adaptation isn't uh i don't think it's strictly uniform there's like it doesn't work across all browser browsers or at least that's my impression of it and so it's it's getting it's getting dumb and it's getting bonkers and what's going to happen or what's going to have to happen and it's order for us to get away from just that stupidity that is the internet as it is now the the fact that we're even using if i built a xml or markup driven uh application that is so 1999 people would look at me like what the fuck are you doing um yet we somehow are okay with html and css driven 
driven web development. It's ridiculous. Um, when iOS came out, I, I love iOS and like Android style development because their core features and their core platform is, and they, they both have their drawbacks, obviously, is so much more powerful than web development that it's it's ridiculous that we even still do web development and we haven't gone all native applications. And I mean, there's obviously reasons why we can't go all native applications, like other than the feasibility of the te- of just the technical um, flex that we'd have to do to get that done. Uh, I think Android's drawback is that it's non-standardized. Um, their devices are non-standardized therefore development to catch all Android devices is very very difficult and the problem with iOS is that there are a bunch of assholes that are full of themselves well maybe not so much that but because Coca Core uh, is really 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 strong it's really really powerful I've seen some really neat shit done with it that that you would otherwise be hard pressed to do on the web like for example if I asked you to make a raven-like object made out of words like literally Edgar Allan Poe's The Raven I think is what the poem is called um, you'd be really hard-pressed to try to figure out how to do some masking of the text uh, for a polygon yet the core text library in Coco is so powerful that it does it as it's you define a polygon and you just write some text and you're like it goes in here and it does it for you it's really really amazing so it surprises me that we haven't gone past it. So basically what I'm trying to get at is in order to move beyond the current state of affairs of software development in web application development, there's going to be need there's going to need to be a disrupt technology, just an actual disrupt. Something's going to have to change. Um, and that that could be anything from us finally reaching the technological singularity to a fundamental restructure and rethinking of what it is to be part of the web and what web development and web browsing is. And I see a lot of, um, I see one particular disrupt technology that I thought was very interesting. It's called MadeSafe. I forget what it stands for, but it's M-A-I-D-S-A-F-E. Uh, I think it's like a service, a serverless, like Thor, like, um, browsing technology where, you develop a made safe app and it anybody that's running a made safe browser is dedicating part of their CPU usage to actually maintaining the made safe network so when you write your code you deploy it to the made safe network right like your website for example say right and that is hosted on all the computers that are connected to the Mate network at any given time. So theoretically, because it's distributed to everybody, uh, maybe chunks and bits of it, um, your website would be accessible to anyone within the network. So if everybody's on it, then your website is accessible at all times. And in order to incentivize just naturally the, the production of useful um, applications and not like clickbait websites and shit like that, they also dedicate a part of the MadeSafe network to mining coin um, in such a way that when, let's say, I put out a site that people like to go to and like to go to often, every time they go to, part of their CPU is dedicated to mining MadeSafe coin and in giving me that part of the coin for visiting my site, right? 
and then I can take that coin and then sell and then buy goods and exchange services or whatever, trade it to dollars, whatever I want to, uh, for whatever the the current stock price is for for that coin, right? As valued by the people on the network and so on and so forth. So you've already created a network that people are incentivized to develop something useful because when people go to it, you will naturally receive some money. But not only that, um, I'm not sure if this is part of the made safe network, but I was thinking about it and it would make sense that in order to de-incentivize people from writing bots and shitty networks, every time you used up computational power as part of your deployed application, you would get charged coins. And so if you had a deficit, it either wouldn't run at all or um, or you'd have to wait for that to replenish. And that'd be great because that would also incentivize people to write really efficient code so that when people visited, you weren't wasting that much processing power and you were able to net net positive and get some of that coin. So that disrupt technology, which by the way is not coming out of the USA, it's coming out of um, either, and I'm really sorry about this, either Ireland or Scotland, I can't fucking remember which one it is, but I do remember distinctly saying, mm, they got good whiskey. <laughs> um, it's coming out, out of there, some, somewhere over there, it, it's not American, and it's if that takes off, the internet is fundamentally going to change. I would love it if I never had to do another Nginx Fusion setup and if I never had to deal with Apache or any PHP fucking environment configuration bullshit. Fuck that. I don't want to deal with that. And uh, this technology looks promising because it's, that would make all that go away. We would need something like that to really change the game or a monumental shift in the way that we think about development. So I kind of want to backtrack to what I was saying earlier about uh, IBM's G2. IBM's G2 is a, from what I understand, a AI style thing that IBM's trying to sort of make accessible as an AWS service, like a supercomputer kind of deal, you know? And so when I was getting back to like generating websites, if you had a supercomputer or an AI that you can go to and be like, hey, I need a website to sort of do this, this, and this, and uh, sort of look like this, and it was smart enough to infer and figure out what you wanted and then dump a website on you and be like, here, oh, by the way, like I as an AI made it responsive for these devices, which you may or may not have specified, but I know that most, I'm, I'm looking at internet traffic in general or whatever, you know, whatever that knowledge it may have, uh, and you might want these, right? That would be amazing because then it wouldn't matter what technology you're putting out. If I can go and make a request to some sort of all-powerful super being to develop me a website with some vague requirements and it knows to sort of fill in the gaps, then I no longer have to worry about what devices are out in the world because it knows what devices are out in the world and what's being used and generating code for that. So that would be really, really powerful. And that sort of creeps into what the technological singularity is. When we reach technological singularity, when shit just begins to fall apart, and and by fall apart I mean like advance so fast that things are crumbling left and right and the rise and fall of sites. Um, right now the trend is like a site goes up, it gets famous and then never goes, never seems to go down. And I want to, I want to be very, very cautious with that statement. Never seems to go down because websites do, they, 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 they go dark. So there was a, a bit where Daily Booth 
had acquired a good chunk of the uh, populist attention and then sort of petered off because the, their like, their business model was not viable and it just crashed and exploded. So Facebook could do the same thing, but um, they understand the game and they're smart enough to be buying out uh, other companies like Snapchat and what have you to keep them relevant and to keep them afloat to absorb the the things and sort of drive people back to Facebook. Even though Facebook, Facebook is the old people's network. Your mom's on Facebook now. Facebook's not cool. Facebook's not new. Facebook's not fresh. Facebook's not hip. It's not a fringe technology anymore. But you, right now with a Periscope and Yik Yak, that's where it's at right now. And the reason I say that is because maybe you and I aren't on those platforms because we're let's be honest, we're getting old. Uh, but the younger generation's on those platforms and they're just sort of gravitating to to what's out there and when it reaches us when it reaches our generation there's generational gaps once it reaches our generation then then it's only a matter of time before it reaches your parents generation and so on and so forth and so you can start seeing that 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 trickle effect that is starting to have but shit what was i talking about oh yes as the disparity in each of those sections seems to grow more massive and massive and uh for example, your grandfather, or not even your grandfather, let's say an eighty-year-old man. What will he? What try explaining Yik Yak to that man? Try explaining Periscope to that man. That is so far gone. I told my grandpa that one day um, Uber was Uber was gonna uh, was gonna probably get bought out by Google, and they were gonna join it with a self-driving car, and no one would need to drive. You would just Uber to work. You, I would step out and. The the money would would be funded either by the city or I would pay for it and it would just be the cost the barrier to cost the cost of taking an Uber to work would be so low and so convenient that that is the way that people would be like I can't believe you used to drive and do that manually I can't believe you would sit in the car and drive forty miles to uh, forty five minutes to work uh, every day and lose an hour of your day in traffic and had to pay attention to it that is insanity yes it is insanity and it's going to be even more insane when it's solved by technology so that's what I'm talking about that disparity the generational disparity between the adoption and use of technology as that grows bigger and bigger uh, when I say things fall apart or the, that we're getting closer and closer to the technological singularity that's what I'm talking about because technology is going to move so fast and so quickly that the faster and more quicker it moves the bigger that disparity gets so that'll be a nice way to like sort of keep your finger on the pulse for how close uh, we are to technological singularity when that all goes to shit when um when a like all powerful super connected hyper intelligence is actually able to help you when you're actually able to produce an actual helpful version of Siri, not a dumb bitch that when I tell her to play to lib quality doesn't have any fucking idea what I'm talking about and says to play live in the in the quarry, some fucking bullshit like that. It, it, it's gonna be crazy, and you can tell that they're falling behind, and it's gonna be more painfully obvious as, as the quicker the technology runs that when someone's falling behind it, because it is so painfully obvious now that Google's 
version of the of whatever whatever the whatever they call Siri, whatever the fuck their their shit is, is so much better at the language recognition than Siri that it is just embarrassing. It's embarrassing. We have so much to look forward to. We were born in a great time. I'm hoping we're catching that t- uh, the that we're at the end of the tail of the J and we're are going to reach this vertical ascension into the technological singularity and we're going to reach it and it's going to it's going to come and go by so fast and we're going to pass by so so quickly and so damning that we're we're not even going to be able to pinpoint um what it was the download information is going to be so fast that anybody that even decides to unplug for a minute will be so disconnected and so far behind that it'll be ridiculous it'll be ridiculous if you're not implanted and you're not keeping up with technology it's going to get to the point where if you fall asleep the the day the the world may change in a night of sleep if you need to sleep if they, if we still need to sleep we might not even need to sleep in the future that that'd be amazing that we have so much to look forward to and that this web application development it might even we might not even need to solve that issue it might just dissipate dissipate disappear with the advance of technology, with how rampant it's going. It, it might go away. Oculus Rift might come out and no one might go to web pages anymore. You just visit places. You visit pornography places. I don't need to go to a harem. I have Oculus Rift. That's the future, my friends. And that's a future that I want to look forward to. Maybe not the the porn thing, but you know, you know what I'm getting at. That was just the, the, the obvious one, that porn is going to get way more interesting. But so is everything else, right? All right. So I'll leave you, I'll leave you with that, that to think about. I don't want to ramble on for too, too long. I know this has already gone longer. We had a, I had a lot more to say about nothing. Next time, uh, I did invest in an audio setup, so hopefully by... The next time I record, that'll be with the new audio setup, and it'll sound way better. We'll get rid of the whole echo and oh, echoiness, and there'll be a level of professionalism that you've come to expect from this podcast that you don't listen to. All right, till next time, ladies and gentlemen. Um, be sure to check us out on Twitter and on Facebook. We might start periscoping the sessions whenever I start doing them with Greg. Greg's probably going to be the first one to come here and uh, come do the podcast, um, and then uh, we'll probably get together with Chris. Um, and, and do something else and see how we want to attack the, the social medias or whatever to, to get more engagement. All right. Oh, fuck.